PFG Private Wealth Management LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. The topics and information discussed during this podcast are not intended to provide tax or legal advice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed insurance agents. The rules of retirement have changed. No longer can most of us rely on Social Security or a single pension to fund our futures. We're living longer, and retirement doesn't just last a handful of years anymore. Instead, you might stay retired for 20 or 30 years, and maybe even more. We need to look at retirement through a new lens, with fresh eyes, with a new approach and plan of attack. Here to answer the call are financial advisors John Texera and Nick McDevitt of PFG Private Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Tampa Bay area. This podcast is Retirement Planning Redefined, and it starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the podcast. It's time to talk football a little bit here on Retirement Planning Redefined with John and Nick. We always talk finance, investing finance and retirement, and we're still going to, but we're going to talk about not fumbling your retirement in the financial red zone. We are in the playoffs at the time we are dropping this. Now, we are recording this just before they're starting. They're starting this weekend, and so this will come out uh, while the playoffs are rocking and rolling, but that's all right. We're still going to talk about this analogy because it works really well for this time of year. And uh, we'll get into that in just a second. But first, let me say hey to the guys. Nick, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Good, good. This was a good reminder that uh, to ask John um, when I'm going to get paid for my second place finish in the fantasy football league. Uh-huh. Um, nice. So yeah, I, I don't, that. I don't know what Nick's referencing here. We we do not uh, gamble <laughs> <laughs> here. So I, um, I'm going to give Nick a nice handshake and pat on the back there for drafting go. a uh, the second best team in there, the league. There you go. Okay. Well, what's I'll going on with it. what's going on with you, John? You doing all right? Doing good. Doing yeah. good. Trying trying to get some uh, just kind of recapping from our uh, our last session of uh, the, the great resignation. Trying to get some contractors to give me a quote. And uh, actually trying to get some contractors to send me an estimate based after they came to my house has been a challenge. Um, I I know. I I was talking with some contractors not too long ago and they're like, you know, right now, all I got to do is show up and I get like 50% of the jobs, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's not, they're not wrong, you know? So there's a lot going on. Well, I know you guys are both football fans. I know you guys both come in from different, uh, well, the same division, actually. Uh, we got a Patriots fan and a Bills fan, so uh, living in Florida, which is interesting. But uh, either way, especially considering that you got Brady right around the corner now. But either way, we're going to talk about this financial red zone and football and a little analogy to go back and forth. And as I said, the games are starting for the, the playoffs, and you guys are going to be actually competing against each other. Your teams will be anyway, so we'll have some fun with this. So do me a favor real fast. Uh, John, I'll let you start. Tell me what the um, what the, what's the financial red zone it. Go ahead and talk about the football red zone if you want as well. I think most people know it, but just real quick, and then tell us what the financial equivalent is. Yeah, football red zones, you know, when you get 20 yards of scoring, so right right there, you know, right before the end zone, uh, really important place to be efficient, uh, making sure that uh, everything's tightened up. The defense plays a little bit harder here because the shorter field. So just really important to make sure the offense is um, doing their best and making sure everything is done right, which kind of leads into what we call the financial red zone. 
where we would consider that kind of your last 10 years before retiring and, you know, can range five to 10 years after retiring. But, you know, the analogy goes well, where this is probably the most important part of your retirement is making sure that, Hey, you got 10 years left or you're five, 10 years into it. You cannot make a mistake. Yeah. And it's important to make sure everything's lined up and you're being as efficient and careful as possible to make sure you hit all your goals and, and maintain the lifestyle that you want going into retirement. Yeah, for sure. So it means pretty easy, right? So just think of it like that same scoring red zone. Now, maybe you're not trying to score necessarily in the financial red zone as you're talking about retirement, but there are some things to pay attention to because turnovers, as you kind of mentioned with the football analogy, are more critical. So Nick, give us some reasons why people need to pay attention to that. Yeah, you know, there there's a few things uh here, but and and obviously it all, all kind of depends on the plan, but um in many ways from an accumulation standpoint, uh time is no longer on your side. You know, the goal is obviously to save as much money as you can. And once you get into that 10-year window, you know, hopefully you're you're in your higher earning years and you're able to save more money. Maybe there's less kids on the payroll, et cetera. And it's also important from the standpoint of you know, the money that you've saved up to that point, uh, making sure that it's invested properly. You know, it's a lot easier to have a half a million dollars double in the last two years than it is to have, you know, $100,000 catch up to to $500,000 or, or things like that. So, you know, that's some of money that you've been able to build up one, once you've kind of entered into that red zone and then how that money is going to accumulate leading up through retirement is, is an important time. So, you know, really making sure that your decisions are coordinated together and and you're not really just kind of, hey, I just saved this amount of money and I put it into this and and I don't pay attention to it um, usually isn't uh, the best uh, strategy. So yeah. it's just much more difficult to recover from mistakes that are in this period. Yeah. So if you're in a good place, right, you, this is when a lot of times teams will start looking at taking the knee, right? They're gonna If you're in a good spot from a financial standpoint, you want to start taking that victory formation because you're trying to protect the ball. And John, I'll kind of, I'll go to this next one, but I'll make you happy by bringing something up here. When you're talking about, you know, some of the mistakes that you see people make getting a little too risky, um, think back to that Seahawks Patriots game Super Bowl a few years back. I think it was 2015, right? And the whole world knew the Seahawks were going to punch that in with Marshawn Lynch running on the one yard line, but they took a risk. They threw it and it got intercepted and it cost them the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was a big risk, huh? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's sticking my, it sticks in my mind seven years later, right? Yeah, it's funny. I just, uh, I've been, uh, I watched some of the Man of the Arena with Brady, which it's kind of been background noise at this point, just when I'm when I'm doing stuff around the house and, uh-huh. and they replayed that and it was interesting to uh, hear the people talk about it. But yeah, that was a big risk and um, that's some, a big mistake that we see for clients when they're nearing retirement is they are taking too much risk and that can happen quite a bit in your 401k because you've just kind of pick the fund when you first started that company. And right. typically everyone, you know, unfortunately chases returns in their 401k. They just kind of look at a fund and say, this did well, they pick it. But as you're getting that red zone, it's important to evaluate what you're in because if you're taking too much risk and we have an 08, you know, 2009 type recession, you know, it, it's, it takes a little bit to re- fully recover from there. Never mind that uh, you got the the, the mindset of, hey, I just lost 30% of my portfolio. I don't want to lose any more. Should I get more conservative? Which will which will seep into people as as you get closer to retirement. So if you make that shift and get conservative, you know, you know market bounces back within a two year period. You miss a majority of that that recovery. So important to make sure that your 
how much risk you're taking in your portfolio is at, is is the right amount of risk for you and your plan. You know, we go back to again the planning, having the right distribution strategy. You know, as you're as you're in the red zone, uh, very vital to you know your retirement success and scoring. Yeah. Well, Nick, before I go to the next point here, I'm going to give you a chance on this as well because. If you think about, you know, what he was just talking about, making sure that your portfolio is not taking too much risk, this market is on a 12-year run. It makes it really enticing and really hard for us to not go, I can eke out a little more, right? I can squeak out just a little bit more, but that's when you start putting more at risk on the table. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because ultimately what ends up happening is what we're trying to do is is manage decision-making and and what ends up happening and the reason that we try to, you know, kind of de-risk a little bit in this situation is so that there's not an overreaction. So the, the the easiest way to prevent an overreaction for an individual is to have a plan. So you can kind of remind yourself, hey, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And you have something to go back to, to, to kind of show you like, hey, look at, you know, this plan tells me that if I do X, Y, and Z, that I've got a pretty, pretty solid, you know, chance to have a comfortable and you know, successful retirement. And, you know, there, if, if you've got ice water in your veins and you can handle, um, <laughs> you know, a 40% dip in a year and in, in something in a year that where things happen chaotic and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even blip your, your iWatch, then, you know, that's, that's one thing, but, you know, most people can't. And when, that feeling of you know anxiety starts to creep in as you start to log in your account more because we're going through a pullback happens and it pushes you to make a poor decision that's when the you know the snowball starts rolling down the hill and, and that's where yeah. we can really kind of get into trouble. So well, I mean, even if you've got ice water in your veins, there's a good chance your significant other doesn't, right? Oftentimes yeah. there's that split in the uh, you know, investing philosophy many times where one is a go-getter and one is a bit more conservative. So you want to make sure you're just not taking too many chances in the red zone. If you've got a good plan, you got a good strategy, uh, your team is so quote unquote winning the game, then you know, again, consider taking that knee, take that victory formation, at least start hedging your bet that that, that way you're not gonna have too much at risk. Because you gotta still outpace inflation. That's that's a given, but you also don't have to necessarily continue to throw the ball, you know, forty yards down the field. So for those that are paying attention, John, that are being proactive, why is retirement planning easier for those folks once they do get to the financial red zone? Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing we see when someone kind of goes through a planning process and they they get to see it, it provides them a blueprint and a roadmap of what they can expect. And that roadmap of blueprint really gives people a little bit of peace of mind. So they kind of they can see the the cash flow, they can see the money, and it really comes down to they can see their goals and what they want to do. So it makes it come to life. So that makes it a little bit easier versus the unknown of, Hey, you know, you try building the house without a blueprint. It makes it a little bit harder. Right. So the the financial plan, you know, is that blueprint and just gives people peace of mind, which ultimately they make better decisions. Yeah. You know, so you can look at things like, you know, income streams, social security, you know, when is the best time to take it or my pension options. When you have the plan, you can, you can test those. So you feel confident in, Hey, you know, I already looked at this and I know what to expect. You know, what's the best, what's the best option for me and my family and, and what we're doing. So, you know, the plan is is key in making sure you make sound decisions and it it provides people, uh, again, sound like a broken record or peace of mind that what they're doing is right. Yeah, definitely. Any couple of little bullet points, uh, Nick, to toss in there? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, the people that are doing well or the people that uh, are able to zero in in 
in this kind of financial red zone. Part of the reason is because everything starts to feel a little bit more real. You know, sometimes people have a really hard time thinking about 30 years down the line and right. and the numbers seem out of whack and the variables seem super unpredictable and, and things like that. So oftentimes once once we're in that zone, we have a good idea of you know, what the numbers are going to look like from an income stream standpoint, whether it's the social security or you have a pension or, Hey, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel of having the mortgage paid down, or, you know, the kids are going to be off the payroll in two years and that's going to free up X amount of income per month to be able to save. And so you, you feel there's, there's hope and momentum on the side and, you know, the people that do well with planning, they really lean into that and um, are really able to take that kind of momentum and, and move themselves forward strongly. Okay. Yeah. So let's not fumble the football in retirement, the financial football, if you will. If you got some questions, need some help, you should know what to do by now. Hopefully you're already working with John and Nick. There's a good chance you're just catching this because you already are and you're checking out the podcast and you get the information. But if not, definitely stop by and reach out to him at pfgprivatewealth.com. That's the team's website. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources at pfgprivatewealth.com. And you can drop us a line as well. We take email questions. Of course, they all get answered, but we also take some from time to time here and use them on the show. And that's what we're going to do to wrap things up. So let whoever wants to tackle this, (laughs) no pun intended, go for it. My brother tells me that I have way too much money in the bank, and he's probably right. I got about $150,000 sitting in there now, but I just like knowing it's there in case I have an emergency. Uh, this is Frank, by the way. So Frank says, is it really that bad to have that much in my savings account? Take it away. So, you know, this is an interesting question because, you know, oftentimes um, for most people, the answer might be yes. However, the the thing to remember in and what we try to harp on with people is that, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter what your your brother, your sister, your mailman, your coworker, your dog walker, you know, everybody is willing to give their opinion or their advice on financial topics. And um, it's important to take your situation, put it in perspective. You know, if you're somebody that makes $300,000 a year, then maybe that 150 is, is a good amount. You know, if you're somebody that makes $40,000 a year, and you've got 150 in cash, then there's a good chance that you're not saving into things that have more upside and more growth for you. You know, you probably have been a little bit wary of the market or didn't know how or where to invest. And there's things that you can do. You know, maybe you've never saved into a Roth before and we can start putting money into a Roth. You know, maybe you never you haven't adjusted your your 401k contributions in you know eight years, and and that's part of the reason that this money is saved up. So there's ways that we can take a portion of it and save it into vehicles, and then maybe adjust. One of the things that we've seen is adjusting from here moving forward. So in other words, you know, it might make you very uncomfortable to take a hundred grand out of that 150 and put it to work, but maybe we can take 25 and put it to work, but also we're going to aggressively save moving forward with the income that you have and you know and figure out where where that kind of pain point might be to yeah. to put money away so it really is a function of of what your expenses are you know things like you know do you have dual income in the house uh, is the house paid off you know dual income you know you could probably have a little bit less in there uh, if the house is paid off definitely put more money to work so yep it could be, uh, but just like everything else that we talk about, it depends. And the easiest way to kind of really, truly answer that is to 
look at it through the lens of the plan and, and go from there. Well, I guess I would say, John, probably what's your definition of liquid, right? And getting to it, you know, obviously a lot of people see, they want to see a certain number. I'd ask myself if I was frank, you know, what kind of emergency constitute 150 grand and, or what do you consider liquid, right? If it's something you need to get to within three to five days, often there's many types of accounts you can do that. If it doesn't have to just be money in the bank. So, yes. So, um, you know, liquid would, a lot of different people view it, you know, differently. So one would be, Hey, I can get access to this without, um, you know, any penalty. You right. know, that would be True. number one of being liquid. Uh, another version would be, Hey, I can get this without any penalty or taxes, you know, so that could be, you know, another version of someone considering it liquid, but yeah, there's different buckets to choose from when you need to access money. And it's important you work with an advisor to figure out what, what are the penalties are and very important. What are the tax consequences for accessing this cash? Yep. Okay. Well, Frank, thanks so much for listening. Hopefully that helps you. Uh, I know you probably don't want to admit your you know, brother's right, so technically you don't have to. <laughs> so if you're like me, I never want to tell my brother he's right. You can just certainly say it depends, right? So uh, everybody's situation is different. That's going to do it this go around for the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us again at PFG Private Wealth. That's where you can find all the things from the team at PFG Private Wealth, which is John and Nick's company there. So find it online at pfgprivatewealth.com. That's pfgprivatewealth.com. We're going to wrap it up, but guys, I'm going to give you a chance to say what you think is going to happen for the Super Bowl since we're dropping this beforehand. Who's winning the Super Bowl this year? John, go. Yeah, good question. I'm going to have to say um, I think the 49ers might win. Okay. All right. He's calling the 49ers. Nick, who are you going with, buddy? I'll go with uh, the Packers. Wow. Neither one of you guys took your team, huh? I was going to go with the Packers, but Aaron Rodgers always chokes in, he does. in the playoffs. He, he does. is like notorious yeah. for, you know, yeah. NFC championship game. Let me play awful. I mean, last year, I think Brady threw three picks in the, the second half or third quarter or something, and he yeah. couldn't capitalize on it or right. fourth quarter, whatever it was. I mean, I don't know. Yep, there you go. Well, folks, let us know what you think, and we'll be back with more on the podcast in February, so probably after the Super Bowl. So we'll see if the guys are right, and we'll talk to you next time here on Retirement Planning Redefined with John and Nick. 